Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me, will give life to my mortal body. Romans 8, 11. Everything I need is in me already. I just got to submit. Lord, forgive me for all the times I didn't submit and failed. Not your fault, my fault. And would you strengthen me from now? God, I submit now. And get good at submitting to God. Get good at believing God. Get good at trusting God. You'll find that that, that the path that leads you down is a a victorious path. You won't be victorious because you pulled yourself up by the bootstraps or you willpowered yourself. Christian victory comes through submission. Are you failing? You feel like you can't get victory. Maybe if you try harder. Today, Pastor Bill testifies that God put everything inside of us to have victory in this life. The key to overcoming is submitting to God's plan. Trying harder does not produce victory. Ironically, victory comes from trying less. God decrees victory over us as we learn to lay down our will and ambition before Him. When we relax in submission to Him, He moves on our behalf. Let's release ourselves to Him and watch Him work. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Judges chapter 1 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. I said this in an earlier study in Joshua, and then I I would come back to it, is many times our victories are for us first. But for all of us that have offspring and those coming behind us, some of us are getting victories for our kids. Some of you are going to be the family members that you raised the first generation of kids in your family that don't grow up where drugs, alcohol is commonplace in your house. Some of us are going to be the first people to set it up where our families, where our kids grow up in a house where mom and dad stay together. Where by the time your kids have kids, grandma, grandma and grandpa live in the same house together. Some of us are going to be the first ones to provide that for our families, for our kids. Take that to heart. My victories are not just for me. Some of my victories are, they're, they're mine by God's grace, but some of my victories are for my kids. There's some victories that we're winning and we're overcoming that it's for Harmony and BJ and for Billy and for my kids. It's for all of us. It passes down just like failures pass down. Some of us got wrapped up in some of the things we got wrapped up in because it got passed down. It's, it's how we saw people behaving. It's how we saw people handling and coping with stress and challenging and whatnot. And it, it passed right on down. And just like the junk passes down, faith passes down too. If you be a man or woman that live a life of faith and your kids see that mom and dad prayed and the Lord answered, the Lord showed up. Your faith that's being lived out, rather than fussing and arguing and stuff, you're praying, they're going to learn that. They're going to, you know what, when I'm away at school and, and stuff goes crazy and everything's and I don't know what to do, I'm going to follow my face. That's what I saw my parents do. And God always answered. God always showed up some kind of way. We can leave that behind for our kids. We need it for us right now. We're not doing it just to pass it down, but it's pretty awesome to have passed that down as well. Moving on now, look at verse 27. I guess I'll precursor this from 27 all the way to 36. Um, we're going to see in diff- different variations of who they didn't drive out. Uh, verse 27, however, Manasseh did not drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shean and its villages or Tanakh and its villages or the inhabitants of Dor and its villages or the inhabitants of Labim and its villages or the inhabitants of Megiddo and its villages for, notice this, for the Canaanites were determined to dwell in that land. We're going to see that one more time in verse 35. And this is what I wrote down in my notes. They didn't drive them out. It says because the enemy was determined, right? And this is what I wrote. The enemy was more determined to stay 
than they were to put them out. Right. We need to know this about our enemy. Their enemy is relentless. He could be determined. I'm determined to get you in this area. And that's why in some areas we keep getting smacked. Why does this keep happening? I keep getting hit in the same area. The enemy is determined at times to not let ground go. Here it says the enemy was determined to stay. And the enemy in this case was more determined to stay than they were determined to put him out. Because if they would have kept pushing to put him out, God would have done it. And so here's the lesson for you and me. Don't let the enemy more be more determined to beat you than you are to beat him. Don't let the enemy be more determined than you. Right. We have everything we need. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. You got greater than God lives in you. You already are victorious over the enemy if you'll fight. Don't let the enemy be more determined. Don't let the enemy be willing to fight harder and longer and, and go, go stronger. What does that mean for us in the spiritual battle department? It means you can't quit. It means you can't have time you fold in. It means there can't be times in the midst of spiritual battle where you just say, I can't anymore. You, you have to. You can't not. You can't fall back. You can't quit. You know, I say this all the time with regard to the armor of God. The armor of God only covers the soldier that's going forward. There's a helmet of salvation. There's the breastplate. There's the, the shield of faith. There's the, the sword of the spirit, the belt of truth, the feet shod. Those feet are like cleats with spikes so the person could, could have footing going forward. But, you know, there's nothing on the backside. There's nothing on the backside because you're not supposed to turn tail. You're not supposed to run. We're supposed to push forward. It's when we're moving in that direction forward that everything we need is there. That's where the victory is. That's where God is going to be working. That's where God is going to be moving. That's where we're going to be protected. We're going to be moving forward, but there's a shield to, to soak up the fiery darts. There's a breastplate covering all the internal organs to, to withstand to withstand the enemy. God expects us to be moving forward. So don't, don't stop. Don't quit. I've actually heard people say, you know, yeah, I was doing that. You know, just it, the warfare just got too much. So we just stopped for a while for ministry or whatever. We just took a break. You lost is what you did. Don't let that ever be the case. You cannot do that. You can never. I was just going and it was just in the warfare just so much. We just quit. You can't do that. That's like telling Satan directly, you know, hey, if you want me to stop, throw me that curve right there. You know, do if you do that, I'll stop. I've made commitments along the way. I found that there were times when I would be sick all of a sudden when there was some ministry thing coming up. All of a sudden, headache and fever and sick. And I don't get sick a lot, but I'd be all of a sudden sick. I learned this by trial and I learned this by doing, but it happened to me one time, the first time I was going to teach at a retreat, which I was all excited for. The, the theme of the retreat was why to pray. It was the year 2000 and everything was about my Y2K. The theme of the camp was why to pray. And I had a message on prayer. It was like God gave me a word. I was so excited to give it the day before I was to give my message. I got fever. I had chills. I felt bad. And for a moment, I thought maybe maybe I just need to tell him I can't do it. But I didn't. I didn't. I'm, and I'm glad I didn't. I didn't say nothing. I was like, oh, I just acted like I was a little tired. I went to bed early. I prayed. I uh, had a buddy up there pray with me. I got up the next day. I felt still kind of crummy. And I kid you not, as I went up to speak, I felt perfect. As I spoke, I felt better than perfect. And after I spoke, I never felt sick again. And I remember going away from that saying, I, <laughs> I'm never going to. I don't care how sick I'm, I'm going to have to come be in the pulpit and fall over. Something in me says that's a trick. I can't be home laying down on Sunday. Something in my mind said, if I get here, it'll work out. I'll be able to get it said and get it done. I can sit down and lay down afterwards. You know, if, if the enemy knows all you need is a little snivel and you're going to stay home, you're going to be having the snivels all the time. If I got to make one of the kids have something, that, it'll happen all the time. You have to make up in your mind with regard to certain things. You know, if well, the kids get sick, we dragging them along anyway. I sit, we go in the, you know, when we were at our, our old church, you know, the kids would get sick. We're going. 
we'll take the sick kids into the overflow room. So you had to watch it on the screen. But I'm going to sit there and watch it with my sniveling kids on the screen. But we're going to go, you know, because you know what happened? My kids would be sick every Saturday night. We'll never make it out. Every time we got ministry to do somebody, I feel sick, dad, you know, or, or whatever. I believe that we got to just push forward, whatever that is for you. However, the enemy attacks you, whatever he comes at with you, overcome it, overcome it and get good at overcoming it. You don't overcome it in your strength. We overcome every war, every battle by faith in God, by persisting, by pushing forward. They lost here because the enemy was more determined than they were. We know in scripture the enemy is vigilant. He's faithful to do what he does. Look at what he did to Job. He was vigilant. I mean, he kept coming at Job. He took everything Job owned and it didn't work. And he went back to God and says, skin for skin. All that a man has, he'll, he'll give for it. Let me touch him. And God said, you can touch him. And look at what he did when he touched him. Boils head to toe. Sitting in a, a pot of ashes, it says. Miserable. Satan was relentless. And Job hung in there. You know, he gave the Lord the glory and he got the victory over the enemy. Job didn't quit. He didn't turn back. And so we want to be careful not to, not to give way, not to let the enemy outdetermine us. No, look at verse 28 now. And it came to pass when Israel was strong that they put the Canaanites under tribute, but they did not completely drive them out. So verse 28, now when they got stronger, they should have done what? They killed them. But instead of doing that, they say, you know what? We're going to keep them, but we're going to make them be our slaves. We're going to find a convenient use for them and they'll make life a little easier on us. That's compromise. There are people that are living that way today. You know what? I know God doesn't want this. But I can kind of, it, it kind of works for both of us. There are people living together that shouldn't be living together. And that's what they're saying. Well, you know, just kind of financially it works out for us. It's convenient. That's not what God wants, though. What matters is what God wants. Your convenience, that's not God's priority. But there are people that live in that way. It's just right now, the enemy living with me because it, it's, it just, it's working out for us on paper. You know, finance-wise, it's a better situation. Here, they kept them around. And that's not what the Lord had intended or wanted for them. Verse 29 nor did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites who dwelt in Gezer. So the Canaanites dwelt in Gezer among them. So again, Ephraim didn't drive out the enemy, so the enemy dwelt among them. Verse 30, Zebulun, they didn't drive out the inhabitants of Kitron or the inhabitants of Nahalol. So the Canaanites dwelt among them and were put under tribute. So again, this group, the tribe of Zebulun, they kept them and put them under tribute. That means they made them slaves. They made them laborers among them. We'll come, I'll talk about that when I'm, before I'm done. Verse 31. Nor did Asher drive out the inhabitants of Echo or the inhabitants of Sidon or of Ahihab or Achibs, Hela, Aphak, Rahab. So the Asherites dwelt among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land, for they did not drive them out. Uh, once again, they, they just didn't do it. Verse 33, nor did Naphtali drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh or the inhabitants of Beth Anath. They dwelt among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land. Nevertheless, the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh and Beth Anath were put under tribute to them. So before I go to verse 34, these tribes, what they did was when you're strong enough to make them be your slaves, you're strong enough to put them out. But they've gotten comfortable with having the enemy around. It's like, you know what? It's not so bad having them around. If God said it's bad to have them around, it's bad to have them around. But they've gotten to a point where they say, you know what? God said, put them, but it's not that bad. I, we could just use them. We'll put them under tribute. We'll make them slaves. We'll make them work for us, but we're going to keep them. They're cute. We like them. You know, whatever. What happens with that later? 
These people still worship their foreign gods. These people still don't acknowledge the God of Israel. And the Israelites will look at them worshiping their gods. They got gods that you can see. Our God, we got to worship by faith. They got little golden images of their God. They got cool ways they worship. Some of the sins that we want to commit and God tells us, no, we can't do it. They do it as part of their worship. I want to try that, mom. That's what would happen. We're over here and God says, don't have sex till you're married. They're over there. They have sex as part of their worship. What? That's what they do at church. They have sex at church as part of church. I want to try that church, you know. Mom, we can't get drunk over here. They get drunk at church. That's, I want to try church like that. That looks so much fun. Can we try? And they would be lured away into those things. That's what would happen over and over and over and over again. Because they didn't just put them out when they were supposed to put them out. It hurt them. hurt their kids. It hurt Israel all along. Why does chapter 1 of Judges sound like a rehash of Joshua? When we start chapter 2, we're going to start the cycle begins. And we're going to see where do these people come from that keep luring them away? They came from this when they weren't put out. So as we start looking at the Israelites and they're in the land and we're like, how come there's all these pagans that they keep being tempted away? Where those pagans come from? They came from here. When God gave them land, they didn't put the pagans out like God told them to. And so the left behind mess comes back to bite them. And that's kind of always how it goes. If we don't get the victory God wants us to have, those things that are left behind will come back to bite us, but come back to get us. And so I know that God's not interested in incomplete victories. The victories that God wants us to have are complete. And so I'm always challenging guys and people I minister to be dissatisfied with a lack. If you're not fully victorious over something, be discontent. You don't have what God wants yet. I never receive the idea from someone that, yeah, you know, just I've been this way a long time. And so I'm working. No, 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 no. That's what I say. No. You know, how long does it take to repent like that? Make a decision. God will empower that decision and walk out that decision for the rest of your life. You repented. Just think of all the sins. I'm going to throw out some of mine, so I don't want to blow y'all out. But I had certain sins. I had a sin of anger and rage and fighting, right? How many times do I get to do that and still be what God wants me to be? How many times would you guys be willing to hear that I socked somebody and had a fight before, before you guys said, you know what, this, we need a new pastor, <laughs> vote him out, you know? How many times would you be willing to hear that? You wouldn't be willing to hear that. I mean, some of you, not one time, right? It can't be anymore. That, that's got to be a complete victory over that. How many times would you be willing to hear that I got drunk? How many, my, how many times my wife be willing to hear that? Not one time. Mika beat him, beat me, you know? So it, it would, there are certain things that God's like, no, you can't. You, if you had a complete victory here, you had a complete victory here, then how come you have a partial victory here? Because you didn't go get it all. Not because I didn't give it. Everything you need to have victory over everything that disagrees with God, God's made it available to you. Everything that you need. And so any victory I don't have is because I didn't go get it. Just like them. Every victory they didn't have was because they didn't go get it. God gave it. They didn't go get it. They compromised. They went their way instead of God's way. They made an excuse. They found some cute use for the, the carnal thing. But God said, wipe it out. Let there be no remnant of it. I don't want there to be anything left of it. Get rid of it all. That's the victory God wants to give. And so if you're, you're saying, man, I got, I got a partial victory or a total failure in some area. Okay, I'm glad. That's why we're here. We come to be spoken to and be encouraged and built up in the Lord. And you should know that whatever that thing is, get prayer. Talk to somebody. That God can give you victory over whatever that is. There isn't anything so big. There's no weakness in our flesh. There's no temptation. There's no challenge so great that God can't give you total victory if you would submit, if you would surrender. And if by faith and obedience, you would, you would just claim your victory. And I, I'm not saying this in a word of faith way. When I say claim your victory, I say this. If God says I can be victorious and I'm not, then I got to say, well, God, you said 
I, I can do all things through you strengthen me. I know you want me to do this. All things that I need to live godly are made available to me already. Everything I need is already within me. The same we talked about it Sunday, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me, will give life to my mortal body. Romans 8, 11, everything I need is in me already. I just got to submit. Lord, forgive me for all the times I didn't submit and failed. Not your fault, my fault. And would you strengthen me from now? God, I submit now. And get good at submitting to God. Get good at believing God. Get good at trusting God. You'll find that, that the, the path that leads you down is a, a victorious path. You won't be victorious because you pulled up yourself up by the bootstraps or you willpowered yourself. Christian victory comes through submission. God, I, I went kicking and screaming. I, didn't be, I was struggling to believe the whole way, but I kept walking. And lo and behold, I ended up in a victory because you did it. And so I'm not saying you got to be some, you know, he man or she man or she woman of faith. Just obey. Just do it anyway. Just go, go, go in the direction God told you to go in until he grants you victory and then give him the credit for it and take some people with you. All right. Last couple of verses. Verse uh, 34. It says, and the Amorites forced the children of Dan into the mountains for they would not allow them to come down to the valley. And the Amorites were determined. The Amorites are the enemies. Note this. So in verse 34, the Amorites forced the tribe of Dan, forced them up the mountains. God gave them the valley where it was fertile and it was good ground for agriculture and harvesting and all the good things God wanted to do. The Amorites ran them dudes up the mountain. Y'all get all up there in the mountains in the sticks and made them stay there. Verse 35 says, and the Amorites were determined. We see that again to dwell in Mount Heres and Ahion and Shabim. Yet when the strength of the house of Joseph became great, they were put under tribute. So here it says the enemies were again, the enemy was more determined than they were. Imagine that. God gives the tribe of Dan this awesome land. It's got land down here, valleys, great for agriculture. And the Amorites was like, no, we want that. Y'all go up in the mountains. And they ran God's people up in the mountains and they went and they stayed up in the sticks. This is not what God wanted for them. This was not the will of God for them. And then when they finally got strong, what did they do? They kept them, put them under tribute. They were supposed to wipe them out. Last verse, 36. And now the boundary of the Amorites was from the ascent of Akrabim from Sia and upward. So here's the lesson in that story. They punk Dan, basically, and make them stay up in the mountains. God wanted to bring them down and bless them in the valley. They got kept up in the mountains. And... This compromise from them, again, another lack of obedience, it sets the stage for the rest of the book of Judges. Because the children of God dwelt among those that God said drive out, they would be tempted over and over again into worshiping false gods, pagan deities that bring them into disfavor with the Lord. What's the lesson from chapter one of Judges for you and me? Number one is that we would not walk in compromise, right? That we wouldn't compromise. We wouldn't, we wouldn't keep around stuff that the Lord said get rid of. That we wouldn't walk in compromise. If God said drive them out, that we wouldn't keep them close. If God said don't do it, that you would, you know, I will touch it, but I won't eat it. You know, if God said that we shouldn't be involved in it, that we just wouldn't have anything to do with it, that there wouldn't be compromise in our life. Second, chapter one of Judges teaches us that we need to be people of faith. Their lack of obedience was also a lack of faith. Why didn't they take the people that were in the valley? Why did they go up the mountain? They didn't trust that God would help them win. Why, why wouldn't and couldn't they beat the group that had the iron chariots? Because they looked at the iron chariots and they saw that they, they believed the iron chariots were bigger than their God. And they wouldn't, they wouldn't go fight the fights. 
Some of us, there are things that you need to go ahead and have the fight. There are things that linger. It's been there. It's been there a long time. Maybe it's been there your whole life. Go ahead and pick that fight. Go ahead and go ahead and get that victory with God's help. Right. Don't go another year. And, and then that thing's still back there that, that God said, I would I would take I'll take care of it. I'll give you victory over it, whatever that is in your life. Go ahead and go ahead and pick the fight. Right, go, go ahead and have the battle. Go ahead and it'll be dirty. It'll be difficult. It'll be challenging. But God will do it. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God will do it? Do you believe that he's able to give you victory? Because he is. But I can't have any victories that I won't go fight for. I want to simplify and summarize it this way with regard to our own flesh challenges. You name whatever challenge, challenge of faith, challenge of sin, challenge of some area of the flesh, whatever it may be. I got to take whatever the challenge is, whatever the issue is, and it's always got to compare to what God's word says. So if it's an area of weakness of the flesh, and if God's word is said that, that we can be overcomers, if God's word is said that he who began a good work in me is going to bring it to completion, if God's word is said that everything that I need for, for a life of godliness is, is wrapped up in Christ Jesus and I already have it, if that's what the word says, and I got to look at whatever this is and say, I, I, I can be victorious. Don't condition your mind, because some people do this. Some people condition their minds to, they condition themselves to be failures. You know, I just, you know, this is how it's been. It's going to take some time. That's the kind of mentality that won't let you win. You know, it's going to take some time to kind of get where, no, it doesn't take any time at all. It, it just, it's not time that you need. It's a commitment to win that you need. It's a commitment to, God, from today on, I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to obey you from today. I'm going to believe you for the victory from today on. And I believe that through you, Lord, I can have victory from today on in this area. And you can. I promise you. I would not lie to you. It would be wrong for me to stand here and tell you that you can have that kind of victory if you couldn't because that would set you up for disappointment and failure. I would not do that to you guys. I love you guys. I love the Lord. I wouldn't do it to you. I wouldn't do it to the Lord. I wouldn't tell someone that they could have a victory that they couldn't have. But I can say on the strength of God's word, you could have a victory. They could have had this victory. They didn't get it because they didn't go get it. You could have the victories that you haven't gone to get. So I'm just here as a, a mouthpiece for the Lord saying, can you go get that victory? Go get it in Jesus name. Go get it for the glory of God. Go get it for the betterment of your relationship with Jesus. Go get it for those that are coming behind you that they need to see how to win that battle. Because sometimes the battles we win, God says, now that you won, I got a trail of people, 50 million people long that need to know how to win that battle, too. And now that you've seen, you can go back and help them. Anybody here that's overcome drugs and alcohol with God's help? How long is a line of people that need to know how to do that? How long is a line of people that need to see that it can be done? They need to see a life, you know, years removed that's still free and delivered that didn't fall back in. How many people need to see that and know it? That's something that you could offer to the Lord, to the body. Your victory can become their victory. And you name it, on and on and on. But the first reason that we want to get victory is because when I don't walk in victory, I'm not yet everything God wants me to be. Jesus died on the cross to purchase how much of you? All of you. He didn't die to purchase most of me with this part of me still, you know, entangled in bondage to the enemy. He said, I died on the cross for all of you. I want, I want everything I paid for. And we want to give him everything you paid for. Amen? And so, Lord, we do thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for the lessons in chapter one of Judges. And, Lord, I pray that you would help all of us to take heed to what we're learning, what we're reading Father, in the areas where we need to uh, just trust you, believe you in a greater way, uh, God, I do pray you would stir our faith and encourage our hearts, Lord. Help us to pick those battles and 
that we might enjoy the victory through you. Much of life is cyclical. There are seasons that cycle through and then start over again. You see the pattern or cycle of the Israelites in the book of Judges. They rebel from God and sin, bringing judgment on themselves. But then God sends them a deliverer, and they turn back to following God. But eventually, they turn away and start the same cycle over again. Do you think God got tired of that cycle and wanted to throw in the towel with these people? If anything, the book highlights God's mercy when the Israelite people were undeserving of rescue. But this is the God we serve, one who's looking to redeem and rescue. He also wants you to genuinely turn back to Him, not questioning His goodness or faithfulness, God's long-suffering. And He proves this time and time again in the book of Judges. Have you been enjoying this series in Judges? Pastor Bill has been working his way through this book here on The Transforming Word. If you'd like to hear additional messages from Judges, head over to calvaryinglewood.org. Look under the teaching tab for more messages. While you're on our website, you can download our mobile app to take teachings with you on the go. Something else you might find at our website are links to Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Stay connected with us through those various platforms and come back again to hear more from Pastor Bill. There are many things to learn from the book of Judges, and we're just getting started. So make sure that you don't miss a single edition of A Transforming Word. Transforming Word.